Julia Adolph, and welcome to Loose Leaf Notebook, where we will explore the connection between creativity and mental health, nurturing artistry, emotional intelligence, and self-care. I'm a composer, and I will be sharing my own personal creative process and journey towards mental health, as well as inviting other artists and creative individuals to share their own inspiring stories with you. Today I am joined by mezzo-soprano Maya Rose Payton. Maya is pursuing her master's degree in voice performance at the University of Michigan, and she also hosts and produces a podcast called Thorn and Thistle. Maya shares the positive aspects of ADHD, as well as her experience with anxiety and depression. We talk about the process of starting therapy and how artistic expression can provide a form of healing. Hello, Maya. Hi, Julia. <laughs> how are you doing? Good. Glad to be here. So I uh, discovered your podcast, Thorn and Thistle. And I've been loving listening to it. And you're very open and authentic about some very difficult topics. Um, so I would just love to hear um, about Thorn and Thistle and also why you chose to kind of reboot it during the pandemic. I started it as a means of catharsis and it remains that way today, but I only did about three episodes. I, I just couldn't find my voice. I was trying really hard to sound smart and uh, <laughs> it was very weird to try so hard to give advice and sound inspirational when I hadn't done much living and I still haven't done much living so now the point of the podcast has been just for me to speak authentically and genuinely about what I'm feeling um, and it gives me a lot of freedom so I talk about a variety of topics pretty much anything I want to talk about as long as I come about it come to it from a perspective of intersectionality and intersectionality being the term coined by Kimberly Crenshaw in 2014 um, which is to say that every human being every person that operates in society has a set of identities that make up or color their experience as they go through the world so I'm a black queer woman who has ADHD and very like a, a variety of different things that I've experienced in my life that I consider my identities create a very unique individual experience for me and when you bring those those nuances of individuality to a topic such as patriotism or music and equality and equity in the arts you end up I think having one a more fun conversation than just talking about it broadly because it becomes more personal it's just me saying my thoughts and it it alleviates the pressure of it having to be this grand broad idea um, and I really just want people who listen to ask themselves the same questions and to think about the topics for themselves as if we're in conversation with each other when you listen to my podcast so that's the sort of idea yeah, and it, it feels that way because, you know, we've we've never actually met, um, but I feel like I know you just from listening to your podcast because you're just so open and, and genuine about who you are, which is very inspiring. You know, it's, it's funny you're saying you're trying to be inspiring, but it's actually just more inspiring just to hear you be you. That's fabulous to hear because honestly, and I keep, I told, I told my therapist this on Monday, I was like, it surprises me when people tell me that they listened to the podcast and they enjoyed it or they got something out of it because I 
feel like, and in reality, I'm just talking to myself most of the time, but it's so insane to me that people resonate with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a testament to just being your authentic self. Um, a lot of the times is way more impactful and meaningful um, than trying to create what you want, what you think people want to see and hear from you. And that's the lesson that I had to learn with this. And I'm still learning that for sure. Right. This year I've been working with my therapist about being authentically myself and just living in that. And I feel, it feels so good. I've honestly learned a lot in the last few months that I've been doing this podcast. And you have a great episode about starting therapy and the process involved in starting therapy. It was something that was so aggravating to me when I first started therapy is that like I was so I was in a place where I had just come out of the closet to my family, my parents. And so at that point, it was, I think, my sophomore year of undergrad. And I was just like at a place where I was like, I need to let some of this out. And I was also um, double majoring at the time in music and psychology. I knew about therapy and I kind of knew about like the workings of it. So I like pursued it, but I thought about, I think about a lot. There are so many people that I've met sort of along the way who don't know even where to start if they want to go to therapy. They don't know who to call, where to call, like how to set, like what the process looks like and feels like. And I just wanted to like give sort of like a, a 101 sort of entry point. That for me, especially having ADHD is like one of the most, and anxiety, like yeah. is one of the most yeah. challenging things to like make all those calls, figure out the financial parts of things because our mental health care system is terrible and does not support people with mental health, uh, with mental health needs. So that episode is really important to me because I, I want people to know that it can be kind of a challenging process to start, but it is very rewarding. Right, that there are all these hurdles before you even get in the door. Yeah, and a lot of people like don't even understand that, like, you know, you do all the paperwork before you get in the door, after you finally find the place that maybe takes your insurance, after you finally find the place that like will work with you, maybe at a sliding scale, maybe not. And then you get into the appointment and they don't talk about the thing that you scheduled an appointment to talk about. But then the first set few sessions are just like the person trying to get to know you, which is natural because right. therapy is like a, building a relationship. But a lot yeah. of people don't yeah. understand that that has a name and that is the intake process and they just don't tell you that that's what they're doing. But it can be kind <laughs> of confusing for people who have never gone before, who are anticipating that they're going to show up and somebody's going to like address their immediate um, acute mental pain or whatever right. they're going through right when in reality a lot of the times like a good therapist will probably do a little bit of that and then also do the intake so that you can at least get some sort of a compromise but that is something that i was surprised about when i first went to therapy yeah because also you know you can go through all of that paperwork and the and 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 find you know get to your first appointment and the person is not the right fit and that can be yeah. very discouraging and I remember when I first was starting that like my initially like I was doing these like university um, services and they were giving me like free sessions so I felt like I couldn't say that I didn't like the way that my therapist was uh, interacting with me he was very like in a lot of these cap settings they're very like um, surface level when it comes yeah. to talking to you 
and it feels very impersonal and I couldn't verbalize or stand up for myself in the, that time because I didn't even really know that I could or how to do that. And so, you know, it's just, and I have so many friends who have like really crippling anxiety and it, it just so happens that I'm pretty good at talking to people. Sure. <laughs> so right, right. like, I think that in a way it helps me like as much as like some of the paperwork part is the harder part for me, like advocating for myself has now been easier. Like now I go into my therapy sessions and I'm like, I don't like this. I do like this. Please don't say these words because yes. I just think yeah. they're corny. Like sometimes I'm like, I think this word is corny and I will respect you less if you say, if you talk to me like this. <laughs> um, yes. Like on it. And that's what you have to do a yes. lot of the time to get like you're paying somebody. Right. You're paying them. This is a service. It takes right. a bit of, it takes a little bit of courage to do those sorts of things, but you can do them. And that's the point. No, it, it takes a lot of courage to advocate for yourself, um, especially in front of authority figures or, you know, people who are supposed to be taking care of you. I mean, I'm also just sort of in awe of sort of how courageous you are in terms of being able to speak very openly about your struggles with mental health and also the different issues that you faced. My mental health is kind of a mixed bag. It's a little bit of depression, a little bit of anxiety, and a lot of ADHD. When I'm having a bad day, yeah. the yeah. best thing for me to do is to decide that I'm not getting out of bed and that's okay. And that's yes. a form of self-care. <laughs> Get a glass of water. Absolutely. Do you feel like you have um, different like um, incarnations of yourself. And I'm asking this from my my experience. Like I have Julia and then I have anxious Julia and sometimes differentiating that is really helpful to know yeah. kind of who's talking or like who's trying to run the show. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I am two different people. You know, when I'm having these bad days, and I'm having all these bad symptoms and I'm feeling no motivation and I can't get out of the bed and I don't even want to brush my teeth or whatever the case yeah. may be. It's like, you know, when I, when I operate and navigate in the world, it is sort of like a different person. And I do have to treat myself with a, the, a compassion as if I am sort of outside of myself taking care of a different person. And I can't treat myself as the type A, busy B workaholic that I am other days because otherwise right. I'm very upbeat I'm very positive I'm very loud I'm very outgoing yeah and that version of me isn't always 24 7 you know some we don't right. always people don't work like that so I have to remind myself that in those moments that like you know take a step back this is a different me today and that's okay we're just gonna have to do things differently today right and and everybody has that to an extent like yeah. who we present outside and and who we are internally I've got like seven different versions of myself for different scenarios. Do you think that your podcast kind of brings together all of these different versions of yourself or like creates a space for them all to talk to each other? Yes. And I think that's a really lovely way of putting it. A lot of what I'm saying on the podcast is what I would write into my journal. Right. Um, and so it also sort of gives me that feeling of being in conversation with those emotions. Sometimes when I'm having like down days, I'll go back through my journals to a day where I was also feeling similarly or when I was feeling better or whatever. And sometimes in my journal, I write to myself like, 
you know, if you're in this place, this is what you have to do. And this is like these, this might help. And so I'll go back and I'm like, thank you, past me. How did you develop that at what I think is, is a young, young age? Well, I mean, I was always kind of a lot. Um, ever since <laughs> I was a kid, I, I would just say what was in my head okay. um, out loud, which has not always been great. There was a significant period of my life where that like light that I had inside me was very much suffocating. Sure. And I just felt like I, I felt so trapped in a lot of anger and depression and anxiety. I just felt like I couldn't like escape the fact that I just felt like I couldn't be myself and I couldn't, uh, I felt like I couldn't breathe. I was like just under so much pressure. And I, this was when I was in high school, you know, I was like a kid and I was feeling all of these like really intense emotions. And I just got to this point where I was like, I'm so tired. The amount of energy that it takes to sort of hide who I really am for yeah. other people it's exhausting yeah <laughs> i've heard a couple people call it courage and i guess it is but i'm just too lazy to care that much <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's it just it drains me of my life and i feel you know i've been in a depressions that are so deep and dark and awful and i feel like it's never going to end mm-hmm I hate that. I don't know. There's something I've decided in this life where I'm like, if I can help it, I'm not going to put myself in those places. Like right. I'm not going to to make myself smaller for other people when it doesn't make me feel better. And I try, I've been just working constantly on reminding myself that I am worth taking up the space that I take up. Yes. I can I can own the space that I am in and that is okay we're taught that you have to work really hard to get the things that you want in life, which is partially true, but we're kind of taught that no matter what, you have to work yourself to the bone and you don't have time. If you're resting, that's a sign of weakness. And for years, I never took a nap. <laughs> I didn't nap and I hated, I convinced myself I hated naps because I thought that if I napped, I would lose out on an opportunity to be productive. Right. And then I, I was able to reframe it with the help of the nap ministry as rest being a form of productivity. Um, because when you take a rest, when you go back inside of yourself, when you check in on yourself and you just give yourself what you need to just relax, take a step back from all of the things that you think you need to do for tomorrow or the next day, you realize that you can build up the strength to do more the next day that you want to really go into whatever you're passionate about. Or you can take time to step back and decide, oh, you know what? I actually don't like this that I'm doing. Right. Or I don't like, need to that, do this. Or I don't need to do this, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I've been saying no a lot more these yeah. days. Um, and I've been taking a lot more naps. And it is fantastic. Every day I wake up and I'm like, I have a gauge of what I can do. Or like maybe oh, spoon okay. theory. Have you ever heard of that? No, I don't know what that is. Everybody wakes up with a certain amount of spoons. Spoons are just a visual representation of like your energy level. Okay. Every time you do a task, it costs you a certain amount of spoons. Okay. So if you're doing a lot throughout the day, you run out of spoons halfway through the day and you're running on fumes for the rest of the day. You're okay. eating with your hands, you know? Like, <laughs> so 
I, I consider like every day I wake up and I'm like, I'm never going to pass my spoons. Okay. I'm go if I use up all my spoons, I use up all my spoons. And that I'm not doing anything else for the rest of the day. Right, right, or like right. if I have to do something for the rest of the day, then I take something from tomorrow, you know? Yeah, and then I think the added uh, challenge, um, I know for myself, like when I have an, a high anxious day or a high anxiety day, like that changes how many spoons you have. So sometimes yeah. Yeah. when you have a mental health issue, it affects the spoons, I guess. A thousand percent. But people who deal with mental health um, things in their life who have mental health disorders or just differences, you know, it changes. It's, it can be kind of a roller coaster of yeah. what you can yeah. do in a day. Some days I wake up and I'm like, I have all the spoons. Yeah. I can do everything yeah. in the world and no one can stop me. And then right. some days I wake up and I'm like, I can brush my teeth. Yeah. I can eat microwave mac and cheese and then I can go back to sleep. Like, and that's, yeah. that's all I can that's all I can mentally think of doing sometimes. Yeah. And that's fine. I yeah. decided that that's fine. Um, so you've mentioned that you have ADHD, depression, and anxiety. So how do you navigate the three? How do they talk to each other and inform each other? And how do you recognize where you're at within them? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that only last Monday was I medically recognized and diagnosed with ADHD, but I've known okay. I had ADHD for like maybe four, three or four years now. ADHD typically involves depression and anxiety because the world is not built for people who have ADHD. Okay. I've decided okay. a while ago that ADHD isn't necessarily negative thing for a lot mm -hmm. of my life it is extremely positive mm -hmm. it's part of the reason that i'm able to do like a billion things at one time mm -hmm. and still give quality results and so i have adhd to thank for a lot of things in my life that being said there's a lot of shame mm -hmm. in like the simple things so a lot of people who struggle with adhd have trouble with uh time blindness so you'll end up showing up late for something even though you woke up five hours early to get to the thing or you uh lose things even though because you have uh, problems you have, you struggle with object permanence there's this is not like a textbook term but something that a lot of people with adhd um have been said to experience is something called rejection sensitive dysphoria where like you experience this sort of deep-seated shame guilt and rejection from very simple things where people say like, oh, I can't do blankety blank. And you're immediately like, what did I do? Do they hate me? Why am I like this? Why can't mm -hmm. I do this? And then you just, and it's a vicious cycle. Sometimes it feels like you're in the twilight zone or like that you're high because mm -hmm. you're moving through the world in a way that like, it feels like you are in a different universe than everybody else, where everybody mm -hmm. else can wake up and do these very basic tasks of putting things in order or like, regularly showing up to things on time or regularly knowing where they're like i don't know simple stuff but it can also be really big stuff and it's hard to communicate to somebody like i sometimes struggle with doing this thing that people expect you to do because that's right. how society works <laughs> i have to create my own accommodations a lot of the time 
So the ADHD happens every day, of every second of every day. Okay. It's just how I live my life, right? And then the depression and anxiety is a kind of a cocktail mix of like past life trauma sure. and the shame that can kind of come out of ADHD. And so it's a lot less these days. Of course, I'm taking SSRI, so I'm on sertraline, which is also known as Zoloft. It's great. Yeah. 50 milligrams, yeah. love it, having a great experience. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I was really afraid to do that, but I started doing that in November and a lot of things have changed for me. But the depressive episodes are just like, they can be soul crushing. Cause it's like, you're not even sad. You're just like, mm. you're just like, you, you're just numb. And you're just like, why do I enjoy things that I enjoy, that I used mm -hmm. to enjoy yesterday? Yeah, I mean, it, it can be really difficult to deal with, but I also have an incredible support system. Um, I have a group of very close friends and now family who I, when I have those periods of time, I just, I turn to them. Mm -hmm. I have a regular spiritual practice that I turn into. I have mindfulness techniques that I've learned through therapy and that's been a journey of its own. Like doing therapy has definitely given me a lot of things to put in my toolbox of how to operate as like a neuro, like typical person might um, operate in the world as best as I can. And then also how to give myself breaks and not be ashamed to do that or tell people like, hey, I can't come in today because I'll just say I'm feeling sick. Sometimes I call out sick for work just because I'm like having a depressed day or like well, having a high anxiety. It's true, You, it is a sickness. I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's... Depression and anxiety are things that I, that happen to me that are, that I have that yeah. are chronic, it's like a chronic illness. Yes. Like any other chronic illness, it is something that I deal with. Sometimes I have flare-ups, but sometimes right. it's not as noticeable. Yeah, and it sounds like you. a lot of that work is very intense self-reflection. Yeah. About what is going on inside of you. You really have to be in good communication with yourself as a person living on this earth in general. Well, um, yes, that's... <laughs> it's a very important, it's a very important skill that I've noticed. A lot of people are, I, are not, it's not that people just don't do it. I think a lot of people aren't taught that that is something that we should do. It's not taught. Um, yeah. It's just not. getting in touch with, you know, like if you're feeling something, not trying to push that down so you can push through. Like being right. with that, sitting with that and being like, okay, where's that coming from? Maybe right. just sort of psychoanalyzing yourself for like five minutes. Yeah. Just honestly, yeah. sometimes you just need to sit and just breathe with your eyes closed for one minute just a moment of stillness. Sometimes your brain gets in the way or like maybe yeah. even your pride can get in the way sure. of uh, helping yourself. But just having that connection, that conversation with you know who you really are, just constantly being in conversation with that and what yeah. you actually need versus what you want to need. How does your, your mental health, um, how does it impact your creativity and your creative life? Oh, so much. When I'm having a bad day, it's like, I can't, I feel like I can't do anything. But you know, I've always sung. I grew up, um, my dad was the co-pastor and the music director, music minister of the church that I grew up in. It was kind of like a family church. So I was always singing. So my biggest comfort is singing. Yeah. So that's what, it, it makes it easier to be creative when like my healing comes from this, this thing that I do all the time anyway. But 
you know, if if I'm having a bad day, I can't just sit down and open Rossini and be like, okay, this is gonna make me feel better. Like, no, <laughs> it's gotta really come from the heart. A lot of the times I'll listen to like gospel music, something that makes me feel like at home or nostalgic or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, my mental health can really inhibit my creativity. Sometimes, you know, on the darkest day of the last like maybe three or four years of my life, this was like November 12th, it was a really terrible day. <laughs> but I had a concert that day and then I had to drive home in the dark in the rain and I was alone and I live alone and it was, I was new to this area and I was just, I was having a really low depressive episode. Mm -hmm. And that night was uh, intense to say the least and I will spare a lot of detail, but in the, at the end of the night, you know, I, I, I kept pushing myself. I was like, I have to go home. I have to um, just, I just need to get home and rest and restart in the morning. And I had to keep myself grounded in the reality that I was like, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to get through this. But when I got home, well, the thing that really made me kind of come out of that moment where I felt like, there was like a moment that night where I felt like the walls were just closing in on me and I felt maybe like I had this much space, mm -hmm. even though I was in an apartment by myself, it felt like I was in a room like this. Okay. And. Okay. I just decided <laughs> I like I took a sh I, well, I, I like I was wearing on my like performance concert garb and I had a full face of makeup yeah. that I had cried through. Right. Um, and like I looked at myself in the mirror after I took off my uh, choir dress and I was looking at myself completely nude wearing all this makeup, a wig on my head mm. and and like. I don't know, there was something very beautiful about like what was very vulnerable about not having any of my clothes on, no, none of the performance garb, but this mask of makeup that was cracked through with these tears that were streaming down my face. And it was like, I had this very beautiful makeup on, mm -hmm. and but I felt so exposed and so vulnerable in that moment looking in the mirror. And I was like, I wanna make art. So I took some pictures. <laughs> And I took like I took these pictures like mostly like from the neck up of just like me in the mirror. And it was like very cathartic for me to sort of make something out of this pain that I was feeling. Yeah. And in the time that it took me to sort of put these photos together that I haven't like shown to really anybody. I've I they're just I just made it for me. Yeah. And in all of that time that I took to create that, by the end of that I was like, I made something. I did something like I was feeling like nothing. I felt like absolutely nothing. And then I was like, but it wasn't. I had this beauty, this this creativity that can come out of it. So a lot of the times I think dep my depression voice can tell me that I just don't have anything of worth to give. Right. But even that can be used to make something or to create something beautiful and I think that was a lesson that I needed to learn that day and then the next day I started SSRIs <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a really it was a roller coaster week so in a way would it be correct to say that you like kind of the artistic process of like seeing yourself and creating something artistic out of it 
like took you out of your head a little bit like it took you out of that the pain of that moment and you sort of not not like it turned into a game in like a fun way but in like a like you're saying it gave you sort of it gave me a goal a goal it gave me a goal it gave me like in that moment i had i had a goal Mm -hmm. and in that moment i had a little bit of a purpose yeah and i was like you know what that's what i needed i just needed to 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 see that i could move from uh one second to the next you know yeah yeah yeah. and the whole night i was like i'm just i'm just thinking one second to the next not like tomorrow not next week just like this minute and now we're in the next minute so i was like okay what can i what in this space can i just hold and be mine and not have to do with all of this that's going on up here i mean art has always been my way of healing myself sometimes even when i'm feeling depressed i'll just start humming an old like Mm -hmm. church hymn or something like that and it really soothes me Mm -hmm. like just because it reminds me of like home it reminds me of family it reminds me of community yeah and so i don't feel as alone in those moments when i sort of remember the art that i've created because in a lot of ways so much of what i've done has been so collaborative choir Mm -hmm. and opera and and church and all of these different scenarios where I've made music have been communal experiences. And I personally, I find them to be extremely spiritual experiences. So when I connect with art, it brings me into that realm of like connection with like who I am spiritually and also who I am just like, it makes me feel less isolated, less alone. Yeah. I have so many aspirations. I'm only 23. I'm I'm currently taking a year off of my. Yeah, I know. It's sometimes I'm like I'm only 23. Maya, get it together. You can calm down. Like sometimes I get really impatient because I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I want to do. There's so much I want to yeah. learn. There's so many places I want to go, and I'm like, I really like where I am. Yeah. And I really like this trajectory. I'm really content. Yeah. And I'm very, um, full of joy. And it excites me to know what the next thing is going to be. Yeah. If listeners want to find you and listen to Thorn and Thistle, where can they do that? Uh, yeah. So uh, Thorn and Thistle Pod, it's Thorn and Thistle Podcast on all streaming platforms. I also, I post mostly through Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram at my underscore O-H underscore M-Y-A-H, which is my Omaya. <laughs> and yeah thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and just for being so open thank you for listening to loose leaf notebook i'm julia adolph and the music you are hearing is my orchestral work dark sand sifting light performed by the new york philharmonic with alan gilbert conducting if you'd like to hear some more of my music you can visit my website at juliaadolph.com or my YouTube channel, which also has video versions of all of these podcasts. Thanks again.